how learning occurs. To help you understand how difficulty can be desirable, we'll briefly describe how here how learning occurs. Encoding. Let's imagine you're Maya, standing in a gravel pit watching a jump instructor explain and demonstrate the parachute landing fall. The brain converts your perceptions into chemical and electrical changes that form a mental representation of the patterns you've observed. This process of converting sensory perceptions into meaningful representations in the brain is still not perfectly understood. We call the process encoding, and we call the new representations within the brain memory traces. Think of notes jotted or sketched on a scratch pad, our short-term memory. Much of how we run our day-to-day lives is guided by the ephemera that clutter our short-term memory and are, fortunately, soon forgotten. How to jigger the broken latch on the locker you used when you suited up at the gym today, remembering that to stop for an oil change after you work out. But the experiences and learning that we want to salt away for the future must be made stronger and more durable. In Maya's case, the distinctive moves that will enable her to hit the ground without breaking an ankle or worse. Consolidation. The process of strengthening these mental representations for long-term memory is called consolidation. New learning is labile. Its meaning is not fully formed and therefore it's easily altered. In consolidation, the brain reorganizes and stabilizes the memory traces. This may occur over several hours or longer and involves deep processing of the new material during which scientists believe that the brain replaces or rehearses the learning, giving it meaning, filling in blank spots, and making connections to past experiences to other knowledge already stored in long-term memory. Prior knowledge is a prerequisite for making sense of new learning, and forming those connections is an important task of consolidation. Maya's considerable athletic skills, physical awareness, and prior experience represents a large body of knowledge to which the, the elements of a successful parachute landing fall, BLF, would find many connections. As we've noted, sleep seems to help memory consolidation. But in any case, consolidation and transition of learning to long-term storage occurs over a period of time. An apt analogy for how the brain consolidates new learning may be the experience of composing an essay. The first by trying to write it. Ah, the first draft is rangy, imprecise. You discover what you want to say by trying to write it. After a couple of revisions, you have sharpen the piece and cut away some of the extraneous points. You put it aside to let it ferment 
when you pick it up again. A day or two later, what you want to say has become clearer in your mind. Perhaps now you perceive that there are three main points that you are making. You connect them to examples and supporting information familiar to your audience. You rearrange and draw together the elements of your argument to make it more effective and elegant. Similarly, the process of learning something often starts out feeling disorganized and unwieldy. The most important aspects are not always salient. Consolidation helps organize and solidify learning, and notably, so does retrieval after a lapse of some time. Because the act of retrieving a memory from long-term storage can both strengthen the memory traces and at the same time make them modifiable again, enabling them, for example, to connect to more recent learning. This process is called reconsolidation. This is how retrieval practice modifies and strengthens learning. Suppose that on day two of jump school, you will put on the spot to execute your parachute landing fall and you struggle to recall the correct posture and compose yourself. Feet and knees together, knees silently bent, eyes on the horizon. But in the reflex, you break your fall, you throw your arm out, forgetting to pull your elbows tight to your sides. You could have broken the arm or dislocated your shoulder if this were the real deal. This effort to reconstruct what you learned the day before is ragged, but in making it critical elements of the maneuver come clearer and are reconsolidated for stronger memory. If you're practicing something over and over in rapid-fire fashion, whether it's your parachute landing fall or the conjugation of foreign verbs, you're learning on short-term memory, and very little mental effort is required. You show gratifying improvement rather quickly, but you haven't done much to strengthen the underlying representation of those skills. Your performance in the moment is a, not an indication of durable learning. On the other hand, when you let the memory recede a little, for example, by spacing or interleaving the practice, retrieval is harder, your performance is less accomplished, and you feel let down. But your learning is deeper and you will retrieve it more easily in the future. Retrieval. Learning, remembering, and forgetting work together in an interesting ways. Durable, robust learning requires that we do two things. First, as we recode and, and consolidate new material from short-term memory into long-term memory, we must anchor it there securely. Second, we must associate the material with a diverse set of cues that will help us, or rather, it will make us adept at recalling the knowledge later. Having effective retrieval cues is an aspect of learning that goes, often goes overlooked. The task is more than committing knowledge to memory. Being able to retrieve it when we need it just as, is just as important. The reason we don't remember how to tie knots even after we've been taught is because we don't practice and apply what we've learned. Say you're in a city park one day and come across an Eagle Scout teaching knots. 
On a whim, you take an hour's lesson. He demonstrates eight or ten specimens, explains what each is useful for, has you practice tying them, and sends you away with a short length of rope and a cheat sheet. You are at home committed to learning these knots, but life is full and you fail to practice them. They are soon forgotten. The story could end here, there with no learning. But then as it happens, the following spring you buy a small fishing boat and you want to attach an anchor on the line. With rope in hand and feeling mildly stumped, you recall from your lessons that there was a knot for putting a loop in the end of a line. You're now practicing retrieval. You find your cheat sheet and relearn how to tie a bowline. You put a small loop in the rope and then take the short end and draw it through, silently reciting the little memory device you were given. The rabbit comes up from the hole, his hole, goes around the tree, and goes back down. Retrieval again, a little snugging up, and there you have your knot, a dandy piece of so scout craft of the kind you'd always fancied knowing. Later, you put a piece of rope beside the chair where you watch TV and practice the bowline during commercials. You're doing space practice. Over the coming weeks, you're surprised as how many little jobs are easier if you have a piece of rope with a loop on the end. More space practice. By August, you have discovered every possible use and purpose in your life for the bowline knot. Knowledge, skills, and experiences that are vivid and hold significance and those that are periodically practiced stay with us. If you know you're soon to throw yourself out of a MOOP troop transport, you listen good when they're telling you when and how to pull the ripcord on your reserve chute or what can go wrong at 1,200 feet and how to just short of swim out of it quote-unquote the mental rehearsal you conduct while lying in your bunk too tired to sleep and wishing the next day was already over and well jumped is a form of space practice and that helps you too